Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In the 15th edition of our program, which aired during the second weekend of April 2020, we talked about how Iowa business has responded in the wake of COVID-19. Mike Ralston, president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, discussed that topic and had some news to share as well about how the virus has impacted his organization. About a month ago on this program, we spoke with Mike Ralston, the president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, about the ABI quarterly member survey. Mike Ralston joins us again, and obviously that was at just the beginning of this era of COVID-19. We talked a bit about some of the things that your members were expressing at that early time. What's different now a month into the pandemic from an Iowa perspective? Boy, that's a great question, Jeff. And I think what's different uh, now from then, uh, you know, we were all pretty positive the, the last time we talked. We were certainly positive about the state of manufacturing in Iowa and the prospects for a great year. But we were also relatively positive about dealing with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And I think uh, ABI members and business people in this state are positive by nature. But now it's clear, you know, we know how serious this is. And so it's really come home uh, as far as the precautions that people need to take, and they are taking them. By that, I mean uh, every business in this state, and whether they're an ABI member or not, and they should be if they aren't, but even if they, no matter who they are, they're sending people home to work from home if that's possible. They're isolating people as much as they can if they have to uh, stay uh, working. And of course, for a manufacturer, you've got to have somebody at that production station on that line to make it work. So for a lot of manufacturers, the good news is there is six feet between production stations. For those that can't, we've uh, heard of uh, some anecdotal evidence that manufacturers are erecting plexiglass shields or they're uh, rearranging shifts so that, again, they, they make their employees as safe as possible. I guess that's the difference now we know and people are taking the precautions. There have been some operations since we talked last that have had to shut down for a period of time. I think some of that may have been for deep cleaning and and just to preserve the workplace, maybe to put in those things like shields. Do we know of any that have had to shut down because the business just doesn't support that level of productivity? No, I'm not aware of, of that, Jeff, but I am aware of some businesses that have had employees diagnosed with the COVID-19 viruses, so they have had to shut down because of that. There have been a couple facilities. I know that Winnebago was one that shut down. Uh, Collins Aerospace had employees that uh, were, were uh, found positive. In some other places, Lennox in Marshalltown is another one. And so some of those have already been able to send that employee or those employees home, deep clean their facility, and then open up again. Those employees obviously are still quarantined, but the business has been able to open up again. Winnebago, for example, is one of those. And so, again, the good news is that Iowa manufacturers, just as people across the country are doing, are managing uh, this situation as best they can. Every good business has an emergency plan. And whether it's a manufacturer, whether it's an office, someone in the service industry, they have contingency plans for various situations. I dare say very few had a contingency plan 
for the state's economy to be shut down. But they've uh-huh. all adapted very quickly, haven't they? And and I trust they contact organizations like yours to get some guidance. But there was a real mobilization in terms of, all right, let's get a plan. What happens if an employee tests positive, et cetera? And they've all really taken that to heart, not only to preserve the business, but most importantly, the health and welfare of the employees. Boy, that's exactly right, Jeff. You know, when you talk about uh, disaster plans, I'm mindful of something I heard from a Vermeer Corporation executive after their tornado that struck their uh, uh, manufacturing campus, took out two manufacturing facilities. And his comment was something along the lines of, we're, we're a responsible employer, or a responsible business. We had a disaster plan. But boy, we threw it out the window. It had no bearing on what we were doing. And I think you're right. That's the case with the with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, there were plans, whether they applied or not, uh, I don't know, but I know everybody has done their job when it comes to, okay, this is the situation. These are the things we know. These are the things we don't know. How can we, uh, how can we uh, deal with this plan? And always number one on every manufacturer's list is how can we keep our employees safe? What do we need to do there? So that's been exciting. And as you mentioned before we got on the air, there's been some significant retooling, which is it's just incredible what's happened in this state. And I do want to talk about that because it seems to me if you've had the conversation internally at a business about emergency plans, floods, this sort of thing, if you've had that conversation recently, it's not a big leap to then have the conversation about, okay, how do we take what we know about ourselves in this situation that we've prepared for, how do we apply it to the other? The retooling has been amazing, and on this program we have talked about folks who have turned alcohol from a distillery into hand sanitizer, how 3D printing has led to face shields, and just some amazing Iowa-based ingenuity. Share some of the stories that you've heard from your members about how they've kept their workforce going, even though maybe the supply doesn't warrant because of the, the way things have gone. They've kept those people on the payroll, they're able to pay them, but also produce a product that is vitally needed right now. Boy, you're right, Jeff. We're, we're fortunate in this state to have so many terrific business people uh, that are not only uh, smart enough and innovative enough, but willing to, to make those changes. Uh, we talked about United Equipment Accessories in Waverly. There's a company that makes very precise uh, equipment for uh, various things, slip rings, O-rings, that sort of thing. These are uh, uh, they don't sound it, but they're pretty complicated, high-tech uh, products, and they switch to uh, help uh, make uh, face shields for uh, uh, masks for medical workers. That's a big leap, really. People don't understand sometimes what goes into retooling. I'm mindful of a company in Humboldt, high capacity, and they make parts for engines, for tractors, other agricultural equipment. So they work with metal, and they have retooled to make gowns. For medical workers. I mean, it's amazing some of the stories. We could go on and on. Uh, Metalcraft in Mason City, and they make uh, uh, ID plates and laser identification products, and uh, now they're making face shields, face masks. It's amazing, and they, you're, there are a ton of these stories. The, the companies who are now making uh, hand sanitizer, it, uh, we're, we're so fortunate in this state to have these folks who can do that. In talking with some of these people who have created some of these companies or the people who now run these companies, the one constant, regardless if they are manufacturing slip rings in Waverly or some uh, mechanical item to help on the farm in Pella, it's the ingenuity, it is the open-mindedness to see a problem and conceive of a way to fix it. 
that is really what's unique that some of us just don't have. We just don't have that vision, and thank goodness so many others do. Boy, you're right. That's it. If we had to rely on people like me, we'd be in terrible shape, but we're very fortunate. It's amazing to me, people who sometimes don't understand it, uh, they say, well, they're just going to, you know, open up another box and make something else. You know, that's not what happens when you retool. It's a complicated process. You have to tear down manufacturing lines, tear down equipment. You have to get the right, you know, it's a complicated process. And these folks have done it. It's, it's pretty exciting. Those who have listened to this program over the past few months know that the Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of this radio program. And at the end of each radio program, we tell people that ABI is the presenter of the Taking Care of Business Conference, which will be June in Cedar Rapids. And you've had to make a tough decision this week on that front. Well, we did. Uh, just uh, Wednesday of this week, we made the decision to, we as the ABI Executive Committee and Board of Directors, made the decision to cancel the conference. This would have been ABI's 117th annual convention and. uh we're not aware, we tried to check, we're not aware of a time the, the convention or conference was canceled in past years. There's some thought that perhaps it had been in at least one of the years of World War II, but we can't document that this may well be the first time that's happened. And so it was very disappointing, but it was obviously the right call to make. There are a lot of folks who have gone virtual. There are a lot of folks who postponed. And there are a lot of folks who simply said, in essence, not to be flipped, but 2020 is going to be one of those do-over years. We're just going to skip it and, and get past things. How many people typically attend the conference? How many presentations and sessions do you have? And, and I ask because people may think, well, they can just move it to a different date. Well, this takes a year of planning that starts the day after the last conference. It's not that easy for a big event like this to pivot as quickly as some of these manufacturers can, frankly. Well, you're, you're, you're right about that. We, we typically uh, plan for about two and a half years on each event. It starts with a site visit to a couple communities, uh, two or three. And there aren't too many communities in Iowa that can hold us because we get, oh, between 750. We've had 1,000 at the conference. It's a big event. And so we can't just go anywhere. We've made some significant uh, payments to uh, uh, venues to hold space, uh, convention halls, that sort of thing, to hold Rooms will sell out three hotels typically for our conference. We've reserved a lot of space, a lot of venues. Uh, we've made speaker payments. We typically have three keynote speakers. We would again this year. We had uh, a retired astronaut, Joan Higginbotham, who's fantastic. Tarika Barrett, who's the chief operating officer of Girls Who Code, was going to be a keynote speaker. And then Phil Jasper, who's the uh, president, chairman, and CEO of Collins Aerospace, was the third speaker. And so you're right. You don't just uh, do this willy-nilly and some of that investment we may not be able to recoup, but we did look at those other options. We looked at postponing. We looked at a virtual event, and, and for our event, they just don't work. And so uh, you're right. It may 2020 may be that do-over year for us too. <laughs> and this comes at a financial loss because, again, as someone who has put some of these things on at a smaller level, if you cancel before a certain date, you may get all of your payment back. The closer you get to the event. You owe the venue, you owe speakers, and so you really had to strike a balance, didn't you, between canceling too soon and regretting it, but then waiting too long and, and being on the hook for money, as you note, you won't be able to recover. You're, you're exactly right. We, we made that calculation. We've uh, already passed some deadlines. Some other deadlines were coming up, and so we looked at this. If we were able to move the conference 
Would we be able to secure our speakers at a later date, say in September or October? Some yes, not all. Could we get the space? The verdict was still out on that. And, and so uh, it didn't make sense to postpone. Well, could we do something virtually that would allow us to at least use our speakers? Well, ultimately, the, the thing that drives our conference is the networking. Uh, we say every year, and we need it as Iowa's best business networking event. And one of the key takeaways from it, we hear all the time, is that people value that. And if we couldn't provide that, it just didn't seem like it made sense. And so ultimately, the decision with the least unknowns, with the least uncertainty, was this decision to cancel. And so we're working with facilities. We'll definitely want to go back to Cedar Rapids very, very soon. A lot of energy, terrific city with so much going on. So we'll want to go back soon. And we're working with vendors now to see if we can't uh, work with them on new dates and maybe we can reduce our our out-of-pocket loss. What's the takeaway from this past, and I'll say four weeks, it seems like we've been going through this for so long, but it's really only been four to six weeks. For you looking at Iowa business and industry, manufacturers, uh, retail, all of these different components, what's the takeaway for you if you pull yourself out of the chair and look down at everything that's happened over the past month? I think the the takeaway is something you alluded to earlier, and that's the need for flexibility, for a focus on one's business plan and what's important to sustain the business and uh, take care of employees. All those things are things we all sort of take for granted, but they become pretty clear in this, uh, in this instance. I re- I don't know. It seems like you're right. It seems like uh, forever, but it was only two weeks ago. I was sure we were going to be able to have this conference. And you know what? The order to uh, stay in groups of 10 or less may be lifted. Work at home orders may be lifted. But I wonder if, uh, you know, in June, people are really going to want to associate with 700 other people. You know, even if that is allowed, are people really going to want to take care of their business? And so uh, the need to focus on one's business and, and take care of one's employees and customers is really, it's just been, uh, it's, it really hits home again that that's the most important thing. Mike Ralston is president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. We spoke via Zoom on April 9th. More information about their programs and services may be found online at iowaabi.org. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report radio program and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.